Today on Pop Culture Over Pizza, we'll be discussing what we've been geeking out about over the last week. Uh, we'll be discussing Elseworlds Marvel and DC crossover artwork, as well as putting out a review on Godzilla the Planet Eater. We're going to be discussing things ranging from uh, D&D's future potentially in an esports community, and also discussing the PG-13 Deadpool movie. Who'd have thought we'd see that one coming? Our conclusion will be one that we've been looking forward to the most. Venom and Upgrade. Which movie pulled it off better? Welcome, denizens of the World Wide Web, social media browsers, podcast seekers. This is Pop Culture Over Pizza. As usual, I am Jose, and I am joined this week by all of my friends. Hafa. Metatron. This is Walt. Elias. And we have a couple of things that we're geeking out again over this week. We're going to discuss a few things about Marvel artwork, DC crossover artwork, and a couple of awesome other topics about Deadpool, the Deadpool trailer, the PG-13 trailer. And as well, we're going to talk about something that is part of what I've been geeking out over this week, Upgrade, which is the movie that was just released this year. And we're going to compare it to Venom because, well, yeah, some of us think that it's kind of similar. So what's going on, guys? Well, I've had a pretty interesting week so far. I got access to... The DC streaming service. I was very apprehensive about it hey. as I detailed before. Thank you for that, by the way. No problem. Um, but it was it was really nice. Earlier today, actually, I was able to relive a part of my childhood and look back to the beautiful days of the original Teen Titans 2003 cartoon. Nice. And uh, it it does not it does not age poorly. It's still up there for me now. Meta, I know that you've also been covering the same stuff. Yes, that is part of my geek out. And I just got through um, the dual episode, um, what was it, The Apprentice? Oh, my God. You finished both? I finished both. Mm. It is so, like, the deviousness of Slade is just, it blows my mind. I can't believe I forgot about that show at one point. Oh, you see, it's one of my favorite reasons why I contrast normal Deathstroke from that iteration of Slade Wilson. And all I gotta say is hold out for Aftershock. Uh, uh, you'll see it at episode four, no, excuse me, episode 20-ish, episode 24-ish, you know. Yeah, I've also been watching, when I'm not watching Teen Titans, the 2003 version, I've been catching up to Arrow on the CW. And... Honestly, I don't see why a lot of people have fallen off because the way that I because I haven't quite gotten up to this new season that's airing right now, but the season before it I thought was pretty good because the even the season before that they were toying with the idea of oh, Caden James is going to be the next villain. He's like this hacktivist, right? And so guess what? He becomes the villain of the season that comes after that, but. They pull a nice 180 on us, and it's like, oh, super smart guy is in the villain? Whoa! And just, that show's really been up there for me. What about you all? Well, I'm going to switch it up a little bit here. I've been watching a Netflix 
show called Bodyguard. It's an it's a, a BBC show that Netflix decided to distribute here in the States. Um, it's a political thriller. And apparently the BBC version, well, it, it is the same version, but that was one of the highest rated shows in England when it came out at the time. And so um, it basically, it, the premise of the show is you have a guy here who's a uh, sergeant and um, he's a former war veteran from Af Afghanistan. And he, the first episode really kind of gets you into the story. It, it just, it starts really, really quickly. And so there's a, there's an event and what happens is, is that he gets noticed for it because he's a hero because of it. And then he's detailed to be the bodyguard for a political figure who he has very intense feelings against. He doesn't, he doesn't like her politics. He doesn't like her. And so, you know, it, it keeps going from there. So I've only been two episodes in, and I, to be honest, I'm really, really good. You know, this is a, a really good series. But um, once I'm finished, I, I'll probably do a, a review on it. Elias, what have you been watching? So I haven't been really watching anything, but I've been playing uh, Soul, Soul Calibur 6, actually. And so what I've seen so far from the game is it's pretty good. Like um, the um, Infernal, I haven't gotten him, but I'm, I might do a quick slice about him. But Infernal, his, he, his, moves, his moves are OP. Like, not even joking, his attacks are like, I mean, I saw, I saw something like uh, he did a one hit. Like, well, not really one hit, but he did a couple of hits and it just, like, literally this this dude can completely, I'm not even, I can't even say it. You're speechless, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we'd expect no less from the master of Soul Edge. Yep. Soul Edge itself. How about you, Jose? Uh, well, this week I've been geeking out over a long vacation. I haven't <coughs> taken anything of a long vacation from work, so... Uh, Longest I had was like a four-day weekend. I'm off for six days for Thanksgiving. So I'm geeking out about sleep and food from Thanksgiving. And as a Dragon Ball fan, I geeked out a little bit about the fact that Goku in his Super Saiyan blue form was in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That was pretty awesome to see how they're like really pushing Dragon Ball to the mainstream. Um, the things I've been geeking out over, though, are actually a couple of things that we're going to talk about this week. So I probably shouldn't get into it in to too much detail, um, but I saw Upgrade, as you guys know. I know you guys had seen it a little bit sooner. I saw it this past week, and I thought it was a really entertaining movie. It was a really different movie. Uh, it was one of those, like, once every few year, like, unique action movies, in my opinion. Um, and it wasn't a perfect movie. I'm not saying that it was a perfect movie, but it was a great action movie for sure. And I was geeking out a little bit over the, the Lion King trailer. Uh, the live-action Lion King movie that's coming out. I think it's uh, coming out next year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I was geeking out about that because, well, I was a huge fan of Lion King, the animated movie when it came out from Disney uh, many, 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 many moons ago. Um, so I was geeking out about that a little bit because the cast looks really good. The CGI actually looked really cool. I was thinking to myself from watching it, like, that's that CGI would not have been possible maybe even just a few years ago to have animals, like, bow down to the king and do all the stuff that they do in the, in the 
animated feature. But yeah, those are the things that I've personally been geeking out about over the last week. So, Jose, your geek out is a perfect segue for the first news item of the week, and that would be the Disney Lion King teaser trailer that came out Thursday evening during the football game of the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins, right? I believe so. Um, that was a surprise to everybody because I don't think that was announced previously. It just kind of snuck up out there and gave a kick to everybody in the butt, right? Made my mouth yeah, drop. Exactly. Yeah, so, me too. that teaser trailer is now the second most viewed teaser trailer of all time. Oh, good reason. Wow. Wow. You've got 224 million views so far. The only trailer that exceeds it was Avengers Infinity War. So again, another instance of Disney owning the world, right? Yeah, pretty much. But yeah. I mean, you look at this cast, you have Beyonce in the movie playing the adult version of Nala. Eric Andre is one of the hyenas. Donald Glover is Simba. Seth Rogen is Pumbaa. She would tell Edgy 04 is Scar. Oh, that is a great cast Billy choice. Billy Eichner yeah. is Timon. Awesome. The awesome part, obviously, about James Earl Jones being back as Mufasa can't be overstated. Mufasa. You know, Mufasa. And there's Keegan Michael Key is in it. Uh, John Connie, who was Black Panther's dad in the movies, um, mm -hmm. T'Chaka. Right, T'Chaka, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, is Rafiki. Ghost in the Darkness. And John Oliver is Zazu. Alfre Woodard is in it. Like, everybody basically on Earth who's famous in Hollywood right now yeah, this, seems to be in this movie. This cast is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Whatever else you want to say, there's star power all over the place. And this is for a movie that's a remake of a 1994 movie that in of itself, the global box office for that was $968 million. So imagine your remake. Now the only, yeah, I know, but that was Close dollars back then. That's easy billion. Those today. are 1990s dollars. So, you know, mm -hmm. um, the only thing that I'm a little weird about is that you're taking basically, in my opinion, a perfect movie. Pretty much. You have a really high bar <laughs> that you gotta, you gotta get over because if there is anything that goes wrong with this movie boy is john favreau gonna hear it because now I, I, I will give you this he did jungle book beforehand okay okay and, yet, oh you have to watch it it's so if you watch jungle book you kind of see where he's going with lion king mm -hmm. because yeah. it's kind of the, a similar thing where they're taking <laughs> an iconic disney movie mm -hmm. translating it into live action and then using CGI animals, you know, to play their parts. Which look amazing. CGI which look amazing. Exactly. And so now you look at Lion King, and basically this new trailer mimics side-by-side side the beginning of the movie. Right. Right. Yeah, that's what I mentioned earlier when I said how the new CGI mimics, like, the, the animals bowing to the new camera. It is beautiful. Elias, really cool. you've got something to say about this, right? Um, well, it's kind of what you said. It's uh, pretty much side by side. So I watched this comparison of the two trailer trailers, the cartoon and the realistic version. The mm -hmm. cartoon, yeah, it did have some differences. Like, maybe, like, mm -hmm. yeah, like, literally all it was was a cast. And, mm -hmm. um title those were probably the only two two different things that were inside in both trailers yeah oh, i think so. the, the title itself. for the original movie was in red and for this movie 
the title like coloring is gold, gold kind of, right? right? Yeah, and so it's pretty much a comparison because um, in the old trailer, it's pretty much um, Simba being held up. That's literally what's inside the realistic trailer. Yeah, I'm actually it's, looking at it right now. I can see kind of what you're talking about in terms of it looking almost exactly the same. So that does look pretty cool. Yeah, and listen, Lion King is a very profitable franchise for Disney because think about it. You've got the movies, the soundtrack. It it, it won a lot of acclaim back then in 1994. I think uh, it won two Grammys, um, six Tony Awards for the uh, Broadway version of Lion King. So and now Beyonce is involved. And now Beyonce is involved. <laughs> and, and Childish Gambino. And I believe <laughs> Elton John is coming back to do a little, you know, or uh, shine like, up on his old songs. So, oh, like update the score. Yep. Okay, okay. And so, Hans Zimmer is coming back also. So yeah. you got all that plus the new stuff. Let's just hope that it comes out good. Yeah, it looks I, pretty good so far. I don't see how this could be a bad thing because for most people, Ch uh, Lion King was a child, was part of. It was part of my childhood. I watched it when I was younger, and I would love hearing those songs, stuff like that. Yeah, so, you had the, the Lion King toys when you were a little kid. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's all basically being updated, which looks yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, when when you – it's like um, – it's like going going back through your childhood, something like that. Yeah, you're revisiting yeah. what you originally saw back then, but with a shiny new glass of paint. Yeah. So, well, that that's that's my take on, on Lion King. I'm looking extremely forward to it because it is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, Meta, what's the next item up for bids? Well, there's been some really interesting artwork put out by Boss Logic. Uh, if you guys want to find him, he's on Twitter and Instagram by simply at BossLogic. Mm -hmm. And what we see here is a nice Elseworld uh, crossover artwork. And this is basically in reference to the crossover that's going to be happening between Arrow and Flash this season. Where basically um, Oliver Queen, uh, the actor, is going to be Flash. And Grant Gustin who is um, the Flash, is going to be Green Arrow. And so this inspired um, Boss Logic to similarly do, do this, but instead of being purely within the DC Universe, he did it with Marvel and DC. And so here are some pictures. I have them drawn up. We have one with Captain America, where instead of it being... Um, Steve Rogers, uh, Chris, Evans. Chris, Evans. Chris Evans, it's Henry Cavill. And then you also got Chris Evans as Superman. And the other, there's a lot more, but this is just like some initial viewing. The Prime 4? Yeah. Then you also got, um, oh God. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, ben Affleck. As, as Iron Man and Affleck. Robert Downey Jr. as Batman. Our movie savant can only remember the names of Robert Downey. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at this, and the only, no offense to the artist, but the only art that I could really appreciate seeing on the big screen in my, in my eyes would be Robert Downey starring as the role of Batman. 
And I think part of that is because, secondly, and a little bit off topic, his hair reminds me of Hugh Jackman's. Yeah. Right? I'm he's not a, the only one who sees that. He's a little disheveled yeah. in that picture, bit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> a little ragged, a little worse for wear, you know? Personally, I happen to like the Captain America take with Henry Cavill. Um, he's got He's got that good old American boy, you know, clean face, even though he's British. Yeah, you know? I'm saying. <laughs> but he's he's got that very clean cut look, and just knowing how Captain America is is just like the the Boy Scout, you know, um, it has a it, it just kind of fits in. What about you, Elias? So um, I like the Chris Evans Superman one because it gives it like this dark tone. Like um, you could see um, you you know that Superman shoots lasers from his eyes, so. The red eyes kind of, like, it gives it, like, this evil look. And, you know, it kind of reminds... It's pretty much the DC Universe. The DC Universe is dark. Um, yeah, the, the Zack Snyder version, right? Yeah. yeah. Before he got dumped. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, he, he does have that dark look to him. Almost like a red sun type of thing. You know, that, that whole... That nightmare vision that... Uh, Batman had in what was it? Batman vs Superman, I think yeah. it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. even the Batman image looks more like a hero than the Superman one does. You know, just I, the light versus dark contrast between those two photos. Yeah, it's it's weird because you you normally typically associate Batman with darkness. I am the man, and, and Superman with lightness, and in this version, they're kind of reversed. You know, I kind of yeah. like that contrast though. Um, I think, like, actually, I, I don't like the, the Henry Cavill, uh, Chris Evans swap. I don't think that one looks very interesting. It, it, it's hard for me at this point to, to think of Henry Cavill as anything other than British now that he's stepping away from the Superman role. So, like, <laughs> he could be Captain Britain at some point in the future if he wants. Uh, I actually do like the Robert Downey Jr., Ben Affleck swap. I like both of them. I think they both actually kind of work, and you guys are going to disagree. With, you guys have already disagreed with me, actually. The, the weird um, sort of Hugh Jackman hair kind of takes me out of the Batman one, and I do like the Ben Affleck one better. The reason, I guess, that I kind of like that one better, too, is because, well, his personality in Justice League is more like Tony Stark than it is like Bruce Wayne anyway, because he's wisecracking and making all these jokes. So, like, it's actually kind of, a yeah, like an Elseworld Tony Stark that, that fits in my opinion, so I actually do kind of like that one. Apparently, this guy has a ton of other swaps. You have Gal Gadot and and uh, Scarlett Johansson swapping as Wonder Man, Wonder Man, Wonder Woman, <laughs> and Black Widow, wrong superhero. Excuse me. Uh, you have Gal Gadot as the Wasp. You have Chris Hemsworth as Aquaman. This guy has some Dragon Ball characters, which you know I'm totally in love with. That one's really weird. He has Hulk Hogan as Hercule Satan. And, oh, what the heck is his name? Chris Hart as, <laughs> as Krillin. So that one's especially weird. But you guys <laughs> oh, yeah. should really check this stuff out at Boss Logic on Instagram and, and Twitter. Just by the way, you can save Wonder Man for another Elseworlds. Yeah, story. we can save Wonder Man for another one. Maybe Boss Logic will do another Wonder Man one or something <laughs> like that. But, yeah, he does have a lot of interest. Oh, and, and this Loki one, uh, or Loki, I should say, Tom Hiddleston as yeah. the Joker. That one's pretty interesting, yeah, too. I would love cool. to see that. Yeah. That so a good choice. Yeah. So speaking of everyone's favorite wisecrack, 
we have some Deadpool trailer footage. But this time, yes. PG-13. PG-13. How could yes. they? Oh, no. Yes, indeed. So no. the trailer looks funny, which gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, we just saw it a little while ago. It, it features some some cool and awesome sick burns from everyone's favorite wonder year, Fred Savage. Um, and, you know, it, it, even though it does look kind of funny, I don't know how Deadpool works without the R rating. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's integral to the way that Deadpool tells the story, um, or integral, I should say, to the way that Deadpool tells the story with the violence, with the sort of fourth wall breaking, like, raunchy jokes and all that other stuff. Very but vulgar. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about this trailer? I mean, Deadpool 2 is obviously a pretty good movie. How would it be if they change it and make it PG-13 now? Now, I've gone on record with regard to Venom arguing that a PG-13 rating did not harm the film. And I'm, mm. we'll go further into that uh, for our concluding piece. Mm. But I'm going to actually retract my statement here for Deadpool. Oh, for Deadpool. Okay. And it's because I feel like the, the adult nature of Deadpool's character mm -hmm. is something that you can't separate from him. I think that the movie has a lot of potential just making a gag on itself that it's PG-13. Yeah. Deadpool has always been something that's self-aware. Mm -hmm. And so it could be a nice evolution. But if you're going there and expecting a classic and traditional Deadpool, I'm not sure that that's what the industry wants. Deadpool 2 kind of saw that same shift in tone for me mm -hmm. with the, uh, the whole idea. This is a family movie. Like, I didn't find that... I didn't find that special in any way. It just seemed there to be there and say, this this movie is different. Yeah, it was like the first one that was supposed to be, what, like a Valentine's Day movie or something like that? That was That's like part of the joke. It's a love story. But this is, yeah, I don't I don't know that, that they do it much justice by, by marketing it that way. If they're, if they're not really going to change anything, they're just going to take out the R-rated content as far as I understand it, right? They're not going to add Fred Savage into the damn movie. No, they actually yeah. are. They yeah. are adding him into yeah. the movie? So, I thought that was so a just, Paul thing. Oh, okay. No, this is, they actually... I stand went, corrected. Yeah, they actually <laughs> went back and did some reshoots where they're they're putting in new footage now. But I, I'm going to go back to your point. Okay. We've already seen Deadpool 2. Yeah. Is this footage here in the trailer, is that it? Yeah. Because how much footage are you going to be putting into this movie that is going to compel me to go watch it again. Exactly. I've seen it already. It's already out on digital. It's already out on Blu-ray. If I want to watch the movie, I could just pop it in and just watch it again and then just watch the trailer and imagine how that changes. <laughs> but, you know, at, at the end of the day, this is Deadpool 2 minus all the R-rated stuff mm -hmm. and adding probably maybe like about 15 or 20 minutes worth of Fred Savage and some other things, is that really going to make me want to go out and spend $15, 20 on a ticket to watch it again? Um, I'm not so sure. So, you know, Deadpool 2, it was a good movie. Um, I watched it. It it was good rated R with, like, the... The craziness. Yeah. And the gore. Yeah. And all the, the weird things that yeah. he says. <laughs> adding, adding other scenes, I mean, we, like... Um, Walt here said, adding another, adding more scenes doesn't really, it 
really doesn't change anything. Cause well, it does, but it's like you know what it what this reminds me of is like watching a DVD, um, the extra scenes, yeah, the deleted scenes, and mm-hmm. that's what it that's what it feels like to me. It's just. Instead of the deleted scenes, you're waiting till after watching the movie. They just incorporated it into the movie. Yeah. Make it a holiday film, and you can fix this problem. You know. Because if you make it a holiday film, Deadpool hasn't been seen there with the Christmas spirit. You can make jokes about Christmas and Hanukkah and whatever else. New Year's, winter. It's that that theme has been so absent from a superhero movie and from a comedy film at that for for the likes of Deadpool. What you're talking about is the last time. Yeah. What you're talking about is a brand new movie. That could be done. This here with with Deadpool 2? Okay, well, the only reason reason I will say that it could work um, is that it was Anchorman. Yes, it was Anchorman. Okay. The first Anchorman movie they made an entire other special edition, like extra movie out of the bloopers and cutscenes. Because, but the re- and, and I was gonna say the reason why that works is because a movie like that is a lot of improv, it's a lot of like extra takes, comedic takes, a lot of a lot of extra footage in that way. Maybe Deadpool 2 is kind of the same way, because you figure that the comedic process is kind of similar to what they do in the Anchorman movies. But yeah, that's maybe the only way that it could be worth seeing again if they just recut it. Even if it's a kind of a mess, because the Anchorman movie was kind of a mess. The recut movie was kind of a mess with a different storyline, with some scenes the same, and a lot of them actually, you know, like I said, bloopers and other things like that. That might make it worth seeing with the additional, I guess, Fred Savage footage. But but I'm still not running to see it. Still not running to see it. Um. Yeah. So I saw some of. So there were. Um, while I was watching the trailer, I noticed that some of, I noticed some of the jokes, like, um, he said the, uh, I forgot, wait, music, it's basically music, but it sucks. Oh, yeah, that, one. that was in the, the trailer for Once Upon a Deadpool, right? Yeah. Is that, what, the, is that yeah. what we're calling it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, this, I'm basically, from what I think, this, it's probably... It's it's gonna be like it's hard to explain, but it might be like a DC movie. They're showing. That's a, is that a compliment or an insult? <laughs> I mean, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, from what I think, it could be showing. I heard this from Walt or something or someone. I forgot who, but it's it could be showing like its best moments in the trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the trailer. So uh, okay. maybe that's, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say one more thing before we move on, um, and this is kind of a twist that should be in the movie itself, but apparently, the plot of this movie was tweeted out by somebody way back in December 2017. Yeah, last so, year. So there's a there's a tweet that was done by a New York based writer. His name is Michael Vincent Bramley, and I'm gonna read the tweet and tell me if this doesn't sound like Once Upon a Deadpool. His tweet was to uh, Ryan Reynolds, and it says, and I quote, if Marvel forces you to make a PG-13 Deadpool, just copy the framing device from The Princess Bride and have Deadpool censoring it for Fred Savage as a bedtime story. Wait for it. 
a kidnapped adult Fred Savage. There, I fixed it. Now, hmm. let's take a look at this trailer. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, sounds familiar, doesn't it, guys? Yeah, I guess in that case, it does kind of sound a little bit familiar with hmm. Fred Savage being in it. Well, apparently, apparently Ryan Reynolds contacted this particular fan, so hopefully he'll give him the credit that he deserves. I hope so, because, you know, um, boy, does that sound like the trailer to a T right there. That sounds you like know? a better idea than just yeah, cutting out the R-rated stuff and adding in some, some fluff and filler. Yep. So anyway, moving on to our next topic. General Kenobi, or rather his counterpart. Uh, Battlefront 2, we have a new character joining the roster, and that would be General Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ben Kenobi. Kenobi. Ben Kenobi. The, no, not Ben. This, no. this is Obi-Wan. Clone Wars. Yeah. Kenobi. Clone yeah. Wars Kenobi. Ah, uh, yes, Kenobi. this is true. This is Ewan true. McGregor. Not not in hiding Kenobi. Yes. Yeah. But not Alec Guinness <laughs> Kenobi. Ewan McGregor Kenobi. Ewan McGregor. Well, it looks, like spotting Kenobi. It, it looks like it adds a couple of characters from the prequel trilogy, right? Because in general, Grievous, Grievous is added. Well. Those, those guys have been added. out for a while. Oh, you know? have they? Yeah, they've yep. been out for a while. This is the So what they're doing is, it, I guess they're staggering their releases. So do, Keep players playing. Right? <laughs> you, had, you had General Grievous come out as a playable character. Oh, I you see. You had Dooku mm -hmm. come out as a playable character. You had Anakin Skywalker before he became an evil death... Death you know, Lord. Death Lord, Dark Side, Death loser, loser, Dark Vader guy <laughs> Apparently type of good thing. There's a light side Anakin Skywalker. Right, there's one that's exactly. coming out soon. The dark side one is already out. The light side one apparently is one that's up oh, and coming. There you go. So he's not even out yet. So you know, he's hmm. he still has time to change to the dark side. Count Dooku as well, actually. Those are those are two that are going to be added to the game. So those are a couple of new characters that they're adding to Battlefront Two. Yeah, unfortunately, Battlefront Two. Um, it, it was a better game than the original Battlefront, but it's not a game that I enjoyed as much as the old Battlefront games. Mm. Um, those games I had a lot of love for. These new, they're pretty, they're 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 nice, but you know, it just really doesn't do much for me. I did play the story, which does you know um, advance Star Wars lore a little bit, but other than that, you know, I've never really had a, a reason to go back to the game. I might check it out just to see uh, Ewan McGregor swinging the, the lightsaber, but it's, it's okay. So to those who have played the story, do you prefer Jin Erso or the 501st? Hmm. Quick little question. Wait. Run that by me one more time. <laughs> <laughs> For those who have played I, think, I think he's just left everybody speechless. Yeah. You're talking about Inferno Squad. Oh, Inferno Squad. That's not right. Jin Erso. That's not Jin Oh, I'm sorry. These yeah. the, the story was so forgettable. I'm forgetting. Yeah. Um, Idenversia. Yeah. She's she's part of the Inferno Jin Squad. Um, and Jin, Jin Erso is from, from the, Rogue One. From Rogue One. Rogue One. Yes. Versio Erso. I'm she's dead in this universe already. She got blown up by the original Death Star. Yeah, he's moved oh, some yeah. letters around mm -hmm. on Star Wars characters. At least people so like her. For that. Yeah. So, but but the, it's interesting because you have two female leads, right? Yeah. Two strong female leads. So you know which one do you prefer? Are you a Versio fan or are you an Erso fan? That that is a good question. You know, me personally, I, I happen to think that just because it's it's in the movies and you know 
what she had to do. I would I would kind of go with Jin on this one, just because she did make the ultimate sacrifice, you know, to get the plans into the hands of the Rebel Alliance. Many, yeah. One is it? Many Bothans have died to provide. We us didn't see a single one. I, I'm just saying. No, that's that what she one. said, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh no, no, no! That's that was from Return of the Jedi. That was from Return of the Jedi. Oh my gosh! My, I'm if sorry. there is only, if there is one critique that I have for Rogue One, it is that it, many Bothans have died to get these plans. But no, that's nobody talked about Jin and her her Rogue One squadron, right? Oh, no, yeah. rather. Where yeah. were the Bothans in Rogue One? No, but that's but that was that, for Return of the Jedi. That was that was that was when fault. they were re-retrieving the plans, or rather, the information <laughs> regarding the second Death Star. Let's just put it this way: If you are part of the rebellion and somebody asks you to go steal plans, just say no because you're <laughs> gonna die. Yeah. Many times. Many times. <laughs> Many will. So just say no, people. Yeah. So. On the topic of no, or maybe, depends on what you think, we have some D&D, we don't generally talk about this, but this is something that I found interesting. I myself, I DM a group outside, so I found this to be a little far out there myself, but I'll just get into it. D Dungeons & Dragons future in the esports realm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, hmm. esports... <laughs> So basically, hmm. um, you could see Matt Mercer next to the guys playing League of Legends. <laughs> yeah. So hmm. wait, wait, wait. Is this like? Are they considering? No, maybe? this is someone advocating for it. How it could work. Oh. Okay. What? What did, what did they say? Oh, I see. Yeah. Basically, I see the link here. it's a lot of Game of Sutra, right? Yeah. yeah. They're relying so like, a lot Andrew on Heikela. Heikela. Andrew Heikela has an has an opinion on this. Well, apparently there's a, a company that announced that they were actually holding holding an online D&D tournament um, with, How do grand, you run a with a grand prize of $5,000. How do you run a tourney organized around a tabletop role? Because game? it's going to take four weeks to complete. So it's not a one-night event. Okay, yes, yes, so yes. That, that, but... that makes sense because I know we've tried our hand at D&D at this table, and... Um, it's, yeah, it takes a while. It, listen, we we went from point A to point B, and it took us what two or three hours oh, you just to get everybody it. on point. I've DM'd so. the group. I've ran. I've, I've been I've been involved in D and D for about a year and a half now, and the amount of progress we can make in a year and a half exactly can be about the width of a penny. <laughs> and and esports. <laughs> generally tend to be fighting games, fast, first person. Fast-paced, like fast tactical, pace. Com competitive. That's my biggest problem. With games. How can you make a game so centered on role-playing into this competitive sport? So let me ask you a question here because I'm looking over this article and this is how they frame how they're going to do it. So again, back to the over the course of four weeks, apparently there's going to be 16 players, right? Okay. Okay, so... That's a pretty decent size um, Dungeons and Dragons game, right? Wouldn't you think? That is a that is a very large game. Yeah, right. really, that's about three times as large as the recommended. So what they're going to do is they're going to have teams of four, and it's going to be single elimination. Now, how does that work? Um, that's okay. the thing. So here. each game is a best of three arena battle and is played. 
via Roll20. Now, uh, I've, Roll20. Done, I've done D&D before with Hafa. I have no idea what I just said. So okay. I'm going to I'm going to so, put that out there right now. So to enlighten to enlighten those who are unaware, Roll20 is a digital service uh, online. You can get it's a website, sign up, make an account, and it allows you and your buddies to uh, sign in and essentially play D&D. Uh, you can get you can load up maps there, images there. It provides dice rolling apps. Uh, it's, okay. it's so basically good. this is like an online thing where you don't have to physically be there, but you can you sign into the, the website and then do it that way. Yeah. So okay. it would, that would definitely make doing a D and that would make doing a D and D session for esports much, much easier. But I'm assuming then that we would put players against one another using D and D now. The thing is, while the combat system, some can say, is the centerpiece of the game, Gygax, Gygax designed it as a dungeon crawl. It was normally, you, you're in a tavern, old man says there's a dungeon and a dragon, you go kill it for gold. Um, to, to see that just turn into a combat system evolving around... Uh, eliminating other players in teams of four with one DM. Lord knows how that could work simultaneously, <laughs> even if it's over row 20. And in turn-based, it's just, it seems long and convoluted. It, it, it's, why make it something so desperately an eSport when it was never meant to be that, when it never functioned for that? Well, I mean, if you're going to make it an eSport, it makes, to, to me, I mean, well, I mean, I guess this would disqualify it from being an eSport, but maybe it shouldn't be an eSport at all. Maybe you should just televise these tournaments in the same way that you televise, like, a poker game. That's what I'm seeing in my Well, head. Well, what I'm, do you mean by it? What do you mean by a tournament? Because then the tournament would, it would imply that it's an eSport. Well, there's these eliminations and all of that. Probably the same format in terms of it being a best of three arena battle and, and all of that. That format could still work, but playing via roll 20, sitting behind a computer, I, I, I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna show you the competitors. I feel like there's something well, they might like, really good about like having the competitor. They might do it on screen. Similar, similar to the way that you have these gamers that are on YouTube and Twitch where you have the main screen and then yeah. you see them in like a little corner box and you know that's actually them and stuff. I, this I just, is different. You need more you need more action in this. Yeah. Than like the some the guy problem the lying behind this, this system more than that. is that the only variety that the games will see is based on the roll of dice. And at that point it boils down to statistics. It boils down to a game of chance. And trust me. D&D players are notorious for being capable of exploiting the game systems. Now, if we're to take this and compare it to, say, um, Evolve had a small esports community or uh, League of Legends or any MOBA, there's strategy and new competition that comes in with each team and everything kind of changes. Mm -hmm. what, what would change? And An I, arena? And I, I think... One of the one of the problems, one of the obstacles that it would have as an eSport, how many people are going to watch it? It's, Dungeons it's and Dragons a, is actually surprisingly large of a community. I right. consistently find myself uh, being just more and more impressed by how many people are aware of it 
as a thing of pop culture. But right. would you Which would you would you want to sit and watch a game for that's two hours? That's the second thing. That's 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 more where I'm going. And I understand that the D and D community is large, and those fans definitely will probably tune in for this. But I think esports is trying to kind of branch out into more of a mainstream thing. Yeah. I don't see somebody that is not particularly a fan of D&D sitting there for two hours and watching a bunch of guys roll the dice. And I'm, please forgive me if I'm not trying to offend anybody that loves D&D because I played D&D and I thought it was wonderful, yeah. you know. But like I said, for the average person that's not into D&D, that's kind of a tough sell. In my opinion. Wrap it up really quickly. If you want to make a competitive experience like D&D, just go and do... Go to Wizards' own other project, uh, mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering. Great card game. Been around. Was the first. Will be the last. Let's play Baldur's Gate. Yeah, Baldur's Gate. Gate. You know, <laughs> I get how esports wants to add more variety and different types of games like role-playing driving games like racing games um fighting combat games but like walt here said i mean you wouldn't want to be sitting for two to three hours maybe even more than that yeah most likely more to watch yeah. it across the hallway like, yeah it's it's a it's a grind when you're playing D. you know it's, it's like that especially yeah it's a, it's a grind then you know they'd have to change it up somehow because uh the way the way that I've seen it played, it just doesn't work. So, um, Magic the Gathering. There you go. So our next topic before we get into our main topic is the animated movie Godzilla the Planet Eater. And so I'm going to throw this one to our super kaiju expert, Metatron. <laughs> Meta, what you got for us on this? Well. I got a review from the Anime News Network, and I'm just going to sum it up here. So what we're looking at is it is a very good, uh, in the author's words, a nice, deep psychological exploration, soul-crushing despair. You got a little bit of that in the movie prior to that, because for those of you who haven't watched it, tune out for like a second. Spoiler alert. What happened in that movie was basically they tried killing him again and they were so close to doing it. They were so close to doing it. Was that in the first movie or the second movie? Both. So in the first movie, didn't they kill one of them? Yes. And it turned out that there was the real other bigger version. Yeah, that's the real one. And that's the one that they almost killed in the second one also, right? And. So this second one, he's going to be fighting a very, very, uh, very powerful villain. And especially from what we see in the trailer so far, for it looks like he is just beyond powerful. But one of the critiques that this reviewer had about the movie is that for a movie about giant monsters fighting each other, there's very little action showed of giant monster fight which is a little bit concerning to me but it can still work because i mean you have the old the very first movie godzilla 1954 not a lot of brawling still a great movie overall you had shin godzilla which was basically a remake of that movie Mm -hmm. more beautiful yes not a lot of brawling 
but it still got the point across. Mm -hmm. The only problem here is that there is another monster, but there isn't a lot of that monster. And especially a character like King Ghidorah, who is such a... He's basically the the Green Goblin to your Spider-Man. He's he, the Thanos of that universe, kind of, right? He's mm, like the big... Sort bad. of. The... If I were to call Thanos on any one of the Godzilla villains, I'd have to say it's Kaiju Ghidorah. Okay, that's true. It's yeah. just more iterations of the same Kaiju. You know, it's like a, a Pokemon evolution of King Ghidorah, right? Not quite. A little bit. No. They're they're different. They're they're different characters. You know, okay. I could see how this works because in the last movie, for those of you who haven't watched it, like before, spoiler alert. So they pulled it off with Mechagodzilla. Or no, that no, oh God. <laughs> that that's a problem that I had with the old movie. I with that movie. Just go go on. I'll yeah. touch on that. But that robot whatever Godzilla versus Godzilla, they pulled it off there. That was that was a very good movie. So adding a more powerful monster like King uh with Ghidorah. King Ghidorah versus Godzilla, I don't see how that could go could go wrong. But, you know, I don't want to jinx it, so actually I shouldn't have said yeah, that. Yeah, and just, just a quick sidebar. The way they did Mechagodzilla in the movie prior, I'm sorry, that was just wrong. Yes. <laughs> that was just wrong. Yes. Uh, Jose, you want to say something? I will say um, I'm watching the trailer now, the, the anime trailer for this, and I definitely like the art style a lot. The art style is really cool. Um, I can see... I think I can see more so how you can pull off a, a deeper psychological delve into Godzilla, maybe even more in an anime, because you can tell a lot more of the story through the set pieces and through the animation. Um, that's something that maybe they haven't been able to do as effectively in some of the Godzilla movies, like uh, the one with Matthew Broderick, which was pretty terrible. Um, so yeah, I like I like the visual storytelling in this. That said, though, if there's not a lot of fighting with this cool animation, that seems like kind of a missed opportunity to see like really cool fights with this level of high quality animation. But it does look pretty cool. Listen, that that Matthew Broderick film shouldn't even be discussed in in terms of Godzilla. <laughs> I mean, I think the the name of the monster unofficially is Gino Zilla. Also. Well, Zilla. but it's Gino because it's Godzilla in name only. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the less said about that movie, the better. Um, that was just a poor excuse of a Godzilla movie. I shouldn't have even said it. Nope. There's a lot. There's a lot of bad, bad juju with that movie. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know you haven't seen the any of the anime movies. Half of the world. What do you think? You see, I was not. I'm a I'm a Godzilla fan. I was I was beside Meta in his in his little. In his little exploration, I got to see little tidbits here and there. Um, I don't know. When I saw the trailer for the original Godzilla anime, it just seemed too, too human. I wanted when I when I heard Godzilla, I wanted destruction. I wanted monster be monster, and none of that seemed to be here. It seemed to be more of a threat but not a threat to a city or to the idea and concept of Godzilla, but more so a, we have to kill it because. I'm intrigued, mostly in this new trailer with King Ghidorah. 
I look at the animation, it's gorgeous. I look at Godzilla, gorgeous. And I never had a problem with that. It's just still to hear that there's no, and there's less and less monster v. monster, and that to replace that action is trying to go for a psycho, uh, a psychological exploration. Mm -hmm. It's it's not what I look for in a Godzilla film. Nice. And that is going to pretty much wrap up that mini review of the movie. I'm going to, personally, I'm going to save deeper, like, fleshing out of thoughts for the actual movie itself. Do, but, we, have, do we have a release date for that on Netflix? Um, I'm not sure. Let's see here. It should be soon. Yeah. Because uh, the other one came out, and they've been pretty much rapid fire with these movies, um, the, last, the last two that came out. Let's see. Watching for this release date right here. Angling for this release date. November 3rd. It's already in Japan, though. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Japan. So, I don't know if there's an American release date, but that's oh, the one for Japan. Oh, quick question. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer Japanese or the English dub? Um, it's tough. I know normally I go Japanese. Me too. I, see, here's the thing. I know I'm not supposed to go English dub, but I do it for the sake of me understanding it at first, but... The Japanese dub is very important because you get some elements that are thrown in there, but can sometimes be taken out because of the translation. Oh, of course. Translation. Well, not not the Japanese version. I would choose the English dub because, yeah, basically what Meta Meta said, you get the translations of, like, yeah. You get to keep it pure. Yeah. 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 And so that was Godzilla Planet. Planet Eater, right? Yes. Okay. So now we're going to get into the last topic of this episode, and this is going to be us discussing Upgrade as a movie, and we're also going to talk about how it relates to Venom, because interestingly enough, these both both of these movies came out in and around the same time, and they feature a lot of plot points that are similar as well. So this movie came out by the little production company that could. This was made by Blumhouse Productions. Now, if you don't know who Bumhouse Productions is, if you've seen Get Out, if you've seen Insidious, Split, The Purge, Happy Death Day, Sinister, Paranormal Activity, Halloween, The Gift, all great movies, by the way, that's them. They take low-budget films and they put them out as quick as possible. And even though they're not true blockbusters, they make their money back over and over again. So this is kind of like their formula and their... Their last one, aside from Halloween, was Upgrade. Now, Upgrade is a very interesting movie. Um, it features, um, what's that guy's name? Well, Logan, Marshall, Logan, Logan Marshall Green. Green. Logan Marshall Green, who a lot of people think is always Tom Hardy. He always gets mistaken for him. So you can call him Tom Hardy Light here if you want. Yeah, that was um, kind of me too. And, budget Tom Hardy. Yeah, Budget Tom Hardy. And this is a movie that I've kind of been championing around because, you know, I saw it the first time. I heard about it a long time before it came out in the movie theaters, and I saw the Red Band trailer, and I was immediately hooked. And unfortunately, um, they didn't give it the marketing push that I believe they should have because it seems like this movie came in and out of the theaters in a quick minute before you batted your eye, it was gone. Um, but it's making its living now on digital and, you know, DVD, Blu-ray, and... It is a it's a good little film. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Me too. and I think everybody here has seen it, right? Yes. 
Indeed. I and think so, we should specify for our viewers now, are we going to be spoiling the film itself? Yes. I, I, I say we, we save that for the Venom section. Right. I think I think for now what we should do is just give our you know general feelings on the movie. But mm -hmm. know this, we will spoil the movie because it's integral to us comparing it to Venom. So, Metatron, what did you think of the movie? Well, so yeah, I finally got around to watching Upgrade the other day, actually. And I'm sorry, Walt, I, I don't see what all the hype was about. Oh, okay. The movie on its own is great. It really is. I, I love the visuals, toying with the concept of bodily modification, the classic, we can make him better theme. And just the interaction between Gray and Stem, it's really great. So the main character is Gray, um, and he has he has something that happens to him early in the movie, where he's he becomes paraplegic, and so you know there are again we're going to get into spoilers, but eventually what happens is that he gains the ability to walk again by this thing called step. He's quadriplegic. He's quadriplegic. I'm sorry. Right. So he can't he can't use his limbs. You know he's he's basically numb from the waist down. And so, um, stem being an implant in his spinal, spinal cord. Correct. So, Hafa, what did you think about the movie? Well, personally, I thought it was funny. I thought the plot was a little, a little all over the place. But then it, but then it decided to end boldly. I'll give it that. I a agree. bold end is a respectable end in my book. And so, to see that, I liked it. It. Also, it pulled off the venom shtick of a, of a, of a, what do I put it? Of the, the voice in your head type thing. This, this sort of companion. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, they pull off this companion motif, in my opinion, a little bit better than Venom did. But we'll get into that. We'll get into yeah. that. We're, we're... But it was fun because of it. And it was always interesting. The development of the plot, it, it all kept me hooked. I, I say it's a good movie. If I was to give it an out of 10, I'd say 7 at its worst, 8 at its best. I agree with that. Uh, so I'm uh, one of the more recent people to watch this movie, and I have been geeking out about it. And just as I said earlier, I want to mention that it's, it's not a perfect movie. I, I think I agree with you half of the plot kind of lurched around in some weird places. Yeah. There are a couple of plot holes here and there that, that don't make the most sense. You can cover them up with a little spackle and try to make them look a little bit better than they are. But for the most part, they are definitely plot holes. But like I said earlier, I think it's kind of those one of a kind, maybe more specifically B-movie action movies. Oh, it's it's B-movie all the way. Which is which is actually good about it because it reminds me, watching the movie, it's not at all like this movie, but watching it, I was reminded of uh, Equilibrium, which is a movie that came out uh, around the time of The Matrix. It was one of those movies that kind of rode off of the, the Matrix hype and the new Matrix special effects and wire foo and quick timer, or excuse me, uh, bullet time special effects. And it was a movie with, Christian Bale, and I believe it was, um, oh darn, I can't remember who, who the heck was in it. Sean Bean is in it. He dies as always. Um, <laughs> and, well, and it reminded me of that and that it was a movie that you, you, you went into it, 
and you, you went into it not expecting really a whole lot because, you know, it's this B-movie that you heard a little bit of word of mouth on. Um, and Just in the same token, yeah, like I was, I was very... I was very intrigued by the way that they they made this movie stand out. It was definitely kind of leaning into its B movie roots, but it still managed to have good special effects. It still managed to have uh, good cinematography. That was something that would stand out to me. Also, I liked how the camera light lurched during the fight scenes. Uh, during one scene where he's having a little bit of a malfunction, uh, a little bit later in the movie with his connection with Stem. Uh, there's some good cinematography there that kind of puts you in, puts you in, a, in, uh, in a sense in, in his feelings or in, in, uh, in how the character feels in that moment. Um, so to me, like for the most part, it was visually fun. The action was great. Uh, it was funny. I want, I have to agree again with Hafa. I liked the interplay between Gray, the main character and STEM, the computer implanted in him to give him all of these abilities. Um, the peripheral characters to me were kind of were very unnecessary. Afraid, forgettable. They weren't really they weren't really interesting in many ways. They didn't really need to be because the main character was interesting enough, um, and the villain, so to speak, was interesting enough. Which so one? which one? <laughs> <laughs> That's more the territory too, right? Yeah. Um, and yes, the choice at the end of the movie was a bold one. And I think if I were to say anything else, I'd probably start to get into spoilery territory. So I would agree that the movie for me is a solid eight, somewhere around where your highest rating is. Half I think it was a good eight. I think this the the action, the cinematography, and all that stuff is a nine or a ten. The plot is somewhere around a six or a seven. Mm -hmm. Kind of balances the movie out and doesn't make it a great aspirational opus of a film. Especially that first act. That first act right. was kind of meandering so, there. So, yes, exactly. You know, once we once we get past the event, that's when the movie starts to kick in. Well, although I did like some of the some of the lead up to him getting the implant, mm -hmm. like sort of how him coming to terms with his new paralysis. I kind of liked how the actor played that. So that that part I appreciated for that. Yeah. But to me, yeah, I think it was a pretty good film. I think it was. Um, well, you know. I'm not even going to compare it to Venom. I was about to compare it to Venom. Like I said, I'll save that. Like I said, a good 8 out of 10 for me. And I don't know. What do you think, Elias? Did you like the movie? Yeah, I did like the movie. Sure, it wasn't perfect, but right. mm -hmm. but it was still a pretty good movie. Better than Venom. That's uh, yeah, bold. <laughs> You're making the comparison. You're not supposed to make the comparison yet, but we will, we will see in a little bit how you feel about it. Yeah. So, no, I'm sorry. Um. Uh, between between you, Elias, and Meta, ha is there anything about the movie which you didn't like that we haven't already mentioned? Well, if I get into what I didn't like, I'd be going into spoiler territory. So okay, so we'll, so we'll okay. hold off there. Okay, understood. What about you, Elias? Um, well, I'm not really sure. Um, to be honest... You've already mentioned it all? Uh, I guess. I'm not too sure. We kind of went through most of it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, all right, so I think, yeah, it was a good film. Are we ready to get into spoilery territory right. I figure, yet? I figure one last question to, to everybody at Pop okay. Cultural okay. Pizza. Okay. Would you recommend this film to our viewers? Yes, I yeah. definitely yeah. recommend it. Well, it's a definite recommendation for me. What about you, Walt? Oh, absolutely. I feel like action films. I think I think this is this embraces its B-movie roots, but it, and again... It's it's not a movie that's going to win any awards. Let's let's be frank, right? It, it's a movie that 
it knows what it is and it does what it does, right? But to me, you know, it's what I'm gonna liken it this way, right? For all the old, old, old school guys here, this is this is a movie that you head to the blockbuster on Friday night, have no idea what you want to watch. You've seen all the big films, right? And you just happen to decide, oh, let's man. walk over into the sci-fi section. Oh, let's let's what's this here? Upgrade. Let's check it out. You bring it home. You know, you have some popcorn, you have a drink, you watch it, and you have a good time. That's that's what Upgrade is for me. It's it's a really good time. You check your, your brain at the door, you go, just watch it for what it is. That's, that's my take on that. So, two things I want to say. First of all, I had a lot of suspense. Now, um, there, the twist at the end... No spoilers. No spoilers, yeah. Yes, spoilers, yeah. the twist spoilers, was yeah. great. You'll see why. You'll that was some M. Night Shyamalan stuff. Yes, yeah. it was. Yes, it was. That is true. If you so, are interested in watching the movie, at least. By the way, for those of you who don't know what the heck Blockbuster is. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I miss it so did much. I, did I just that's a video myself. store? Did I just <laughs> a video store? By the way, for those of you who don't know what a video store is. <laughs> a store. That is a place where you can go and pick up video cassettes. For those of you who don't know what video cassettes are, <laughs> those are... Like audio cassettes, and for those of you who don't know what audio cassettes are, is basically like a pla a big plastic CD with some tape inside. Oh, you are going way down the rabbit hole right, here. Exactly. You know, we can keep going forever anyways, and ever on this one. One, one big problem. Here, anyways, not are but were. Were not is were. but was. Yes. Yeah. Well, sort of I believe there still is one blockbuster left in the world, and what? I think mm -hmm. it's in Alaska, right? in, <laughs> in Anchorage or something like that. It might be in Anchorage. Yeah, I was yes. having this conversation. So with blockbuster somebody. still lives. Or wait, was it Anchorage? Go to Alaska to visit it now. <laughs> no, it is the last one is in Bend, Oregon. There was another one oh, in Alaska. Really? That one closed. There were two in Alaska. One in Fairbanks and one in Anchorage. What is wrong with those Alaskans? Those are just both gone. <laughs> What's wrong with the rest of the world? The exactly. Blockbuster is no longer a thing. So, yeah. the second... Digital age. Oh, Blockbuster will be coming back in, in force with uh, Captain Marvel. Blockbuster so. will return. <laughs> <laughs> well, Blockbuster I think will return. This, yeah. in a way, makes a little bit of a perfect seg to get into spoiler territory, unless somebody else has any other thoughts uh, or questions. So, uh, actually, the second thing that I want to say... Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't a typical AI dystopia movie. It, um, I noticed that it's very gory. Mm -hmm. So it's got the horror roots from Blumhouse. Yep, it has the horror roots. Mm -hmm. I've read a few articles on it, and a lot of them, um, actually, a lot of them say it's horror, uh, thriller, horror, body horror. Yep. That's true. And it's interesting, the setting, because it's in the near future. It's not way in the future, because yeah. there there are cars that people drive, mm -hmm. but there are also self-driving cars as well. So, you know, this is a movie that could probably happen, you know, if if this thing really did exist, maybe like 10 or 15 years from now. Because we're not that, yeah, we're not that far away from what it is. And, you know, you hear about, you know, People that are missing arms and they're getting robotic limbs and stuff like that. So we're we're it's in this era. We're not that far away. And it's kind of like it's not the twenty second century. Right, the exactly. divide between 
It's not Blade Runner. Again, we'll bring <laughs> back Blockbuster. It's like Blockbuster versus Netflix. We got some old tech versus some new new tech, and that actually factors pretty big into this movie. Um, to me, that was something that I actually kind of liked a lot. I do kind of enjoy movies that have sort of a story or an allegory when it comes to how technology is going to affect us in the future. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, and this movie's not necessarily about that, um, but one of my favorite movies that kind of is a similar near-future story is Children of Men. Um, it's Great a, movie. another movie where, like, yeah, it's an awesome movie. It's another movie where there's a little bit of, of something to say about technology versus a world that returns to something a little bit more natural. And that factors into, I guess we'll say spoilers, into the plot quite a bit because the, the character of Grey, uh, without saying who, we'll, get the, we'll, we'll unravel these spoilers slowly <laughs> but surely, which I, without saying who, uh, so spoiler, 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 um, the character of Grey was actually chosen in this movie. Okay, um, the entire setup was created by one of the other characters in this film, and the reason he was chosen that we're later told near the end of the movie is because he is a Luddite, so to speak. He's somebody who's not really super well versed in the newest technology. As the main character, his job is he restores classic cars, not the high tech self-driving cars that you see his wife drive a little bit in the movie and some other characters drive, like Mustangs and classic muscle cars. Yeah, I think the, the car that he, he fixed for the, the character was a 1979 Pontiac Firebird. Was that Aaron Schwartz, the 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 scientist, by the way, who is the creator? Aaron. Yes, Aaron. Was Aaron. Aaron? It was yeah. Aaron, like E-R-I-N? E-R-O-N? E-R-O-N. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So it was like E-E-Ron or something like that. Yeah, so he had he had the sweet 1979 Firebird, complete with the, the Firebird graphics on the the hood. So right, very right, right. classic. They even make mention of another thing that was a small little detail that was kind of fun, where they mention how they're going to prepare dinner, and she talks about his wife says that they're going to print a pizza, yeah. and he talks about making it the old fashioned way. So there's a lot of references to that throughout the movie, both in the characters and the story and the technology that surrounds them. And to me, that was something else that was kind of an interesting story that was being told outside of the plot, in a sense, all of the, the background stuff that was going on and the little background details that weren't super integral to the plot, but at the same time kind of fleshed out the world a lot. That was something that was pretty cool about that movie, yeah. I think. And he also made the case that, you know, um, similar to what a lot of people are saying now is like, you know, this technology is here to take over your job and then what happens with your job once the robots or the machines are taking over. So they're pretty specific in that. Something that people are worrying about today, right now, right now with their jobs being automated. So this movie touches on a lot of those details. And then because of what kind of movie it is, where it's a man, a fusion of a man and a machine, and the way that it ends, which you generally are all aware how it ends, does, does, do you think the movie makes a choice as to which is better? That's another question that we could ask, and maybe that's a rhetorical one, but... There's a lot of a lot of interesting questions that almost incidentally come up in this movie, I feel like. I feel like they weren't maybe totally planned out. Or maybe they were. Maybe there's a lot more brilliance behind the plotting than I than I think. But to me, that was another detail that kind of drives home the whole technology versus the natural world conflict that the movie is sort of based around. I don't know. What do you guys think? 
I think we should get into spoilers. Yes. yes. I think we yeah. should just jump yeah. right yeah. in. We so, already got so, that so, one. So just on that, that one. So, yeah. so, so we're going to jump into spoilers. Four. Respond to that question. And then Fully we'll spoiler. get into Venom. I think we should because so, I think you can't You can't, you can't speak answer about that it without, without spoilers. So. so just to be clear for the viewers here, spoiler territory. To, to answer that question, I'd say that it argues that the machine and the automation will win. It is, it is the case that uh, the abandonment of these natural ways is going to come unless change happens. And this is done because uh, Gray becomes overtaken. His, uh, his body is no longer under his own control, but rather under his robot stems. Um, but there is a point where one of the main, what the one of the main bad guys, Aaron, he does go to Gray and he said because Gray made the, the point to him, saying, you know what, there are certain things that humans can do that machines can't, and Aaron was opposed to that at the very beginning, but by the end of the movie, he revisits that quote and he says, you know what, Gray, I think you were right. There are things that humans can do that man that machines can't. So, you know, there is a little what, bit of that. I, I mean that. to make the case that the movie is saying that the we that need automation, automation is a threat. And it wouldn't have ended with STEM posing as uh, being this villain. And not to mention, making him responsible for everything. So I think we need to explain, to explain yeah. what happened so that everybody that's okay. listening here knows exactly what happened. So... Meta, I saw you wanted to take this on. Yes. Explain, explain the plot of the, the movie to us, please. Okay. So what happens is, so Gray is a guy that fixes up cars, right? And one of these guys that he fixes a car for is tech genius of like a super successful company that deals in computers. He's like the Elon Musk of this world. Yes. <laughs> And basically, he's like, oh, hey, uh, let me show you my newest invention. It's STEM. Ha, we'll come back to this later. And so what ends up happening is, um, oh, yes. And he's right. married. Yeah, Ray Ray, is married. Yeah, he's yeah. married. And, and, his so, and his wife is um, a member of a competing yes. company in the same industry as Aaron's company. I forgot what the name of the, the company is. Yeah. So. But so basically what happens is um, on their way home from Aaron's place, I believe, what what happens is that they're taking because uh, Gray has a, a self-driving car, but his wife has a non-self. No. Hold on. I got that switched up. Gray has the non-self-driving car and the wife has the self-driving car. They take the self-driving car home. That thing gets messed up. And so what happens is they crash, a bunch of hitmen show up. Yeah, it gets hacked. Okay, I'm getting to that. I'm getting mm -hmm. to that. Okay. A bunch of hitmen show up once the car crashes, kill the wife, paralyze Gray. And so Aaron very conveniently comes to Gray and says, hey, can we try out STEM? Gray's like, no. But then eventually he does it. And what happens over the course of the movie is that he goes on to take revenge against the guys that killed his wife. But what happens at the end of the movie is that we start to see STEM very slowly, very surely grabbing, for, making grabs for control, kind of like in the style of Palpatine in the council. And what basically happens towards the end is he assumes enough control that 
he basically doesn't care if he knows or not. He basically reveals that uh, he had Aaron send his car to him to introduce him, first of all. Second of all, it was Stem who hired the hitman to basically paralyze Gray with the added monetary incentive of killing his wife. And basically, all of this was done so that Stem could be a part of Gray. And what ultimately happens at the end of the movie is Gray pushes too hard and Stem takes complete control, fulfilling his desire to be human. Don't forget that the that the end of the movie, the way that he takes control is when his mind snaps. Yes. He traps Gray inside his own head in a place where his wife is still alive, where the accident, the the car that the auto driving car that flipped over, the accident occurred, but instead of the hitmen coming and killing all of them, it just basically ends with him thinking that the accident happened and he ended up in the hospital. The rest of it was a dream, which actually, by the way, was was I almost got a little upset at that point because I thought this movie was going to pull the this whole thing was a dream nonsense at the end when he woke up. Thankfully, I had I, I had thought of the, uh, the you guys tell me it was a good movie and I managed to sit there for a moment and not freak out at it being like basically <laughs> what like Dynasty from like the that's another dated reference <laughs> being like another dream in a character's head which they are waking would up. have totally ruined the movie to me. I'm thankful that they ended it the way that they did. I thought that was a nice a nice touch, the way that they ended it. And this is my criticism. Okay. This is my criticism. I have a point to make about that ending, yeah. so go ahead and tell me what you think. This is my criticism. I went into this movie thinking that I was going to be completely swept away by the ending, something I had never seen before or would anticipate. Mm -hmm. So by the time we got to Grey's Crippling, I had already started running some theories in my head. Mm -hmm. Oh my. The first one was Aaron, but I thought, hey, that's too obvious. As to who the main villain is. Yeah. Yes. I think it was running through everybody's head yeah. probably. Yeah. Right. The second candidate, which I thought was going to be the actual villain, was the wife. That was another one that was possible. Because the way that they set her up with her colleague in the car, you're not going to win by, being, by not being a capitalist, that, that kind of thing. And then when we go to that comparison, oh, hey, you're another company like me. Yeah, I'm better than you. So right. Screw off. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then, so what I thought was going to happen was she would, you know, do a pseudo death, a fake death. And so what would happen is she would basically set up Gray getting STEM, and then she would go after Gray and then have her company cronies hack it, dissect it, understand it, reproduce it. Take it herself. Yes. Corporate espionage. And then the fake death, well, hey, you can't do a bad thing if you're dead. So that would wrap that up pretty nice. Mm -hmm. The last one, my joke mm -hmm. theory. Mm -hmm. Step. Was that what was makes Stem? it a joke theory? Because I just found that I was I was expecting that. I don't want that to be the ending. Why not? Because it's like, for me, that was also not obvious, mm -hmm. but... It was a it was a direction they could feasibly take, but I wasn't looking for a direction they could feasibly take. You were looking for something completely unexpected. Yes, that's why I was leaning more on the second theory. The wife. But to, yes, I but that was pretty that, obvious too, though. Personally. No. Well, okay. Because that was one that came to mind for me. I mean, if you, if you if those two came to mind for you, 
first, and those seem like two obvious ones, right? The STEM I mean, one. Yeah. The STEM one was kind of out of left field for me. It wasn't completely unexpected. I think I think it's one of those things that it. as you saw the movie progress, it you, became, it became more, more and more of a of a thing where right, exactly where it's a possibility where okay, he's already told him you've got to go to this place to take the safeguards off. So you're seeing he was asserting more control. So as the movie went on, the possibility certainly became one of those things right. where it's it's them that's actually driving the whole movie. That was kind of the point for me. Okay, like it wasn't completely unpredictable, definitely, because the point where I was like, okay, this guy seems to be – it seems to me like he's going to end up being a villain was that exact point where at one point in the movie for – again, to just kind of summarize, there's a part where Aaron, uh, you know, the, the – the person who invented STEM is trying to shut it down inside Gray's body so that he can no longer use the technology. Right. And he goes to a hacker's house, and the hacker basically unlocks the, the controls that allow Aaron to shut down STEM. At that point, STEM basically says, hey, not only did you unlock his control over me, but you unlocked everybody's control over me. So guess what? I can do whatever the heck I want, which yeah. includes controlling your body. Whatever I want. Without permission. Without permission. Without him asking for any kind of permission. Which was a fun part of the, the initial yeah, okay, part of the Yeah, okay, that was fun, but I didn't want it to play out like that. I genuinely did not want it to pan out like that. You really wanted the wife to be... I would have I would have liked that a whole lot better. And and the thing about the thing with the wife, it, it does make sense because she's, she's, part of, she's part of Cobalt, which is a competing company to Aaron's vessel. Mm -hmm. That's his company, right? Mm -hmm. And earlier in the scene, when they go to drop off the car, she goes down that to that awesome house that he has, right? Where he's mm -hmm. he's literally manipulating a cloud inside his house, right? <laughs> and stuff. And he's so, not rich or anything. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And he just out of nowhere says, "Hey, do you want to see something?" Knowing that she's part, she's a competitor, and he actually dissed her, right? When they were talking about, well, you know, we're trying to be where you are, and he's basically saying, "You're not never gonna, this. you're never gonna get there." You know, just stop lying to yourself. It's not happening, right? That's a yeah. proof over here. But he goes and he shows him their main IP, right? And so, you know, when I was watching, one of the thoughts was like, you know what? She's now she's part of this competing company. She's seen this guy's main product or future main product, something that nobody's ever heard of, right? It would make sense that, you know, if she was this evil wife, manipulator type of thing, she'd try and take it, you know? So the wife being the villain kind of made sense, but then she died. And I guess movies, you can bring her back. But I think as the movie kind of progressed along, you kind of saw where they were going with it. Yeah. Stuff, you know? I, yeah. So. Huh. Okay. Well, I mean. I don't know, do you have any thoughts on, on, on how you felt about it, Elias? Is there anything interesting that you saw in the movie? Anything that you liked in particular about it or anything else you want to say about it? Um, something that I liked from the movie was the fight scenes. Yeah, the fight scenes were probably the most standout part. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Like um, the one with, uh, what's his name? Second to last one. Fisk? Uh, uh, yeah. Fisk. Yeah. Fisk. 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 That yeah. was a good fight. I can kill you with my breath. Yeah, the guy who had <laughs> technology. That was interesting. The nanobytes. Razor nanotechnology. Nanobytes. Yeah. Basically. 
Okay. Well, you know, see that that's interesting to me too because that's a perfect place to make a comparison to Venom for me. Okay, the fight scenes because for me the fight scenes in Venom were for the most part, except for I believe it was the one scene before the final scene, before the final battle with Ryan when he was taking out the soldiers. I oh, believe. the SWAT? Oh, the one, yeah. the SWAT team. That was a pretty cool action scene. And to me, that was the only cool action scene of the entire movie. I couldn't tell what the heck was going on most of the time. And see, there's a, a good point of comparison. With Upgrade, you have the action scene with these clean, sort of jarring shots that follow the character perfectly. They follow his angle. They follow sometimes where he's looking. They follow where how he's leaning. They follow all kinds of details so that you can see very, very clearly what's going on with the character. Yeah. Right. And there's that, that, there's that part where he's doing the backflip the and all that. The sixty vertical shot that they do. Exactly. While he's the I alluded to know? it earlier. The yeah. part where he's he's going to the hacker, and he's suffering through the systems of his body getting shut down. There's this there's these great sound effects. It's another part of the movie that's pretty cool too. Mm -hmm. By the way, the sound effects are are a great. Add great detail to this movie too, so the cinematography there was really great. You you felt kind of how jarring it was to electronically being slowly shut down, even though you're a human. You could kind of see how that would feel. Venom, I couldn't see what the heck was going on pretty much at any point in the movie. Even the SWAT scene was there was just there was smoke and all this other stuff everywhere. Made it hard to see what was going on there too. So to me. There you go right there. What do you guys think of the action in these two movies in comparison? Elias, what do you think? So Venom, sure, it was it was good in comedy. Like uh I guess it was kind of good, but like um Jose said, uh the fight scene with Riot, mm -hmm. I believe. I couldn't it was really dark there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and compared to uh, upgrade, like the fight scenes, it was like more you could see better, and it not only could you see, it had like, um, like in the first fight scene, mm -hmm. um, it had a little comedy to to it. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. um. Which is that was one of the funnier parts of the movie. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there was uh, that was the, the the part at the beginning where he sure finds the first thug. It was in the red band trailer, I think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Where he basically starts fighting this guy. He's bashing plates into his head. He's cursing to himself like, what the <laughs> heck is going on? Because this is the first time that Stem takes control of his physical body and actually starts attacking. But, yeah, it, I, I kind of agree. It was it was really hard to see what was going on in that scene between Riot and Venom. So, to me, that took a lot away from the movie in terms of the action. And when it comes to Upgrade, like, I saw what was going on and – Full disclosure, while I was watching the movie, a couple of those action scenes and set pieces and finishers, I would go back and be like, did I just see that? Did I just see him, like, pull this guy's arm, like, arm that has a shotgun built into it, pull it back, break it, and then shoot him in the face with his own arm cannon? Like, <laughs> like and, and the wit before that scene, too, where he was like, I'm going to end this quickly. And he's just, and Grace says, How? And Stem just answers like this, and then just in five seconds, he basically tosses that guy around and kills him. Yeah. That's what made the action scenes, again, 
the way that the humor fit into those action scenes made it better for me too. I mean, do you guys kind of agree with the way that the humor fit? Yeah, and you. Or you do you have had, a separate point to make about the humor? You, you had that first scene where um, Gray first allows Stump to take over, and one of the things that had me chuckling was when um, <laughs> Gray's is looking at Cirque, which is the the bad guy mm -hmm. at the point, and he breaks into this house because um, Stump leads him there. Mm -hmm. And and so one of the things he says, he has a knife. And then um, Stem in like so two seconds says, so do we. And he just takes the knife away from him and stabs the guy. So oh, he grabs another one. He grabs a different knife. That's oh, yeah, exactly. You know? then, so it, uh, it's just. I see that. What is he, oh, he says, I see that, Greg. So yeah. do we. And then he stabs <laughs> the guy in the back. So the humor does lend itself because they put it in perfect places. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not for forced. Yeah, mm -hmm. for the most part. It's mm -hmm. not forced. Um, I just, you know, it, what's interesting is that both of these movies are trying to be grounded. Um, Venom, even the director said he want, he wanted to make it feel like a grounded, real-world San Francisco as opposed to an exaggerated San Francisco. Yeah. Because a lot of the really? stuff, well, <laughs> if, if you look about it, San Francisco has a homeless problem. Yeah. It has mm -hmm. a really bad homeless problem. Mm -hmm. And one of the main plots oh, of, of yeah. the movie is that, you know what? One of his friends is homeless, and they're taking homeless people to experiment on on them. You know, with these symbionts. Okay, right? I see what you're saying. So, you know, in in that case, they're they're trying to show the real world problems of that particular city. In Upgrade, like I said before, it's kind of is very near future. We're not talking about two hundred years in the future. It's mm -hmm. it's more now, and it's an allegory, like you said, of technology. You know, threatening job opportunities for regular people that work, right? Um, I think the failing of, of Venom is that, first of all, like you said, the fight scenes, it's very difficult to see because you have dark figures against a dark background. <coughs> and you know what? Sometimes I don't even think, like you said, if I were watching this on, on a DVD, I don't know if I'd go back to go see what's going on. Yeah. But in Upgrade, there's so many inventive ways of how they're doing the fights. The camera work, you know, where where they're going back and, and like, oh, wait, did he just do that? And especially the last fight scene with um, Fisk, mm -hmm. there's a point where they're going at it because it's a stalemate, because you have two supercomputers that are basically, you know, they know <laughs> in advance each other. what they're doing. You know, it's kind mm -hmm. of like fighting Taskmaster. Right, Taskmaster. Yeah. Right, he knows what you're going to do in anticipation. So you know, and it's interesting the way that you know he defeats him after he just gives the speech where you know what emotions you can't let emotions take part of you. Yeah, and ultimately that was a good that touch. was that was Fisk's downfall in that fight. I didn't get that depth with Venom. There was no, no there was no, no, no Venom was a big dumb movie in my opinion. It was fun to watch, but. There was no real depth to it. Upgrade is a big dumb movie, but there's depth to it. There's just there's, enough. There's just enough to take in and say it's an elevated B movie. Yeah, yeah. that's B that's, plus. Right, exactly. It's a B plus movie. It's not. It, like I said before, it's not going to win any awards and stuff like that. But at least it doesn't. It treats you with kind of the respect because it's actually giving you a story that is plausible and, you know, it's like, okay, well, that wouldn't happen and stuff. Venom was just, hey, all we're doing here is this is a plot device for Venom, for Tom Hardy. 
and that's let's it. go. That's all yeah, it was. That's the entire plot. Right. There is yeah. there is no plot basically. So that's my differences between Venom and mm-hmm. Upgrade. I think Upgrade was a much smarter movie than Venom was, but that's just me. Um. So with uh, Venom, uh, it's like oh, this you got controlled by a symbiote. Oh, there's another symbiote. Let's fight. In Upgrade, it's like yes. more of there's a reason. Yeah, but in Upgrade, it's more like you got you you have an AI like that takes control of you because you're 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 hurt like physically hurt. And what happens is it's hard to explain, but there's more of a plot. It adds more details to it. Yeah, the and movie. The movie reminds me, and I thought I think we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Deus Ex, the video game, where you Ooh, have yeah. where you have these factions of, of people, right, that are that are modified. And in Deus Ex, they were more the downtrodden, yeah. and here they're more superior. Here, right here, they have that aura of superiority. Where those that they know we of. are yes. we are the next evolution of humans, you know. So. Um, you know, to your point, Elias. You know, there there's a reason why these guys are modded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, in Venom, there wasn't really a climax there. No, there wasn't really a turning point there, like a twist. Not really. Well, there was, but it wasn't yeah. well defined. Yeah. At the end, all it of a sudden, he had to everywhere. save the world. It was really weird. Venom, like, Venom was killing him. Then Venom wasn't killing him. Yeah, then Venom wanted to kill everybody. Then he didn't want to kill everybody. He was a monster. Friends. He was a loser. It's inconsistent. And and then all of a sudden, at the very very end, we realize, oh, Venom's going to save the world, which they made no allurance allurance so see to before in any part of the movie. As goes fight scenes really quickly. There's a one scene in um, Upgrade. That's really noticeable. It caught me off guard. The very first fight scene ended with uh, ended with him taking a knife and splitting open a guy's jaw. Yeah. And it spent like a solid like three seconds just on the jaw. Yeah. You don't see that in Venom, and Venom eats a guy's head off. Yeah, they don't show well, that's any because of the, the PG thirteen. They don't show they don't any of the consequences of the violence. Well, no, Last but 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 the fighting isn't so awe inspiring and it doesn't catch you. Right. Let's let's wrap up with one one last point, maybe maybe a quick opinion from everyone on what you thought about this, because to me this is the main reason why we're making the comparison between interplay. these two movies, the interplay the exactly interplay. between between Gray and Stem in Upgrade versus the interplay between Eddie Brock and Venom in Venom. I'll go first uh, again. I mean, it, you guys know the last, one of the last podcasts. I didn't like Venom a lot. I didn't like the interplay too much. I liked it a little bit. I thought that there were some good parts. Into the interplay, I thought they tried to shoehorn too much comedy that didn't really land into the reactions between or into the interaction between Venom and Eddie Brock. In Upgrade, I thought that there was a lot, a lot better of a of an of acting, I should say, a lot better acting on the main character's part to kind of illustrate the surprise of being taken over by this being. To me, Eddie Brock just kind of stumbled around like a confused idiot for most of Venom. And this guy reacted, Gray reacted more realistically to something taking over your body and turning you into a superhero. I thought that's why I liked Upgrade a little bit better, and it was a better Venom than Venom. 
Thoughts? Half so I find it ironic that for a plot which solely acts as a device for us to make a movie about Venom, really doesn't uh, provide a good vehicle to characterize Eddie Brock and to characterize Venom in the ways that they deserve to be characterized. Yeah. Uh, like you said, the the interplay between them comedically, it was, in my opinion, it was actually much better than you than you put it. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I think that people going there want a Venom movie. People going there also want to laugh. I think they pulled that off okay. It's just that Venom as a character doesn't remain as loyal to the sinisterness that Venom originally was. I don't think that an R rating is needed, though, and I will defend that, uh, should it be asked. Right. Um, Agreed. As goes Eddie Brock and as goes Stem and all of that, because Stem is actually a character with proper motivations because of a proper plot, it's difficult to fairly even compare him to Venom. Yeah, Venom was just a loser, and so was Eddie Brock, and they didn't want I to be that, that's it perfectly, yeah. Motivation, that's it. What do you think, Meta? Oh, boy. So, <laughs> first of all, I do not think it is the ideal Venom movie. For me, it's because the whole point of... First of all, you're comparing something that is not actually alive versus something that is alive. The whole point of the other, which is the symbiote, apart from the melding of human and symbiote mm -hmm. venom, the whole point of the other is it's established first. You possess a host so that you can feed on it so you can survive. But okay. the difference is in order to thrive, it has to achieve symbiosis. To remove Eddie Brock from the equation at the end, because that's what essentially Upgrade did. It removed Gray from, from the story. That doesn't work because the whole point of Venom is that there are two people at play here. The symbiote, the other, and Eddie Brock. So to take that out would be a complete just travesty on the part of Venom, in my opinion. The battle may not yet be over for control there, but that's possibly sequel territory. Continue. Okay. The other thing was that um, what ended up happening in Upgrade was that Stem became the villain of the movie. It worked great for the movie, but to make that a part of the Venom movie is a mistake for me. I had an epiphany yesterday that, or when I was watching the movie, that what ended up happening towards, towards the end credits, the chasm... A, a, a large part of the problem with the Venom movie is that there is no Spider-Man. And because there's no Spider-Man, we can't actually picture Venom as being anything else than a hateful being. But what? that's, that's kind of the reason why I like this movie. What happened if there wasn't a Spider-Man? What would Venom be if not defined by Spider-Man and his hatred for Spider-Man? That's my problem. Okay, I don't know. Jay. I don't know what he was. I don't what, know exactly where they were going with Why does he look like Spider-Man? Okay. Well, there's that. <laughs> just tentacles. All right. Know. Tentacles. Listen, I, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Um, I think I've said everything I needed to say on this. But I, with regard to Upgrade versus Venom, I think the difference is, is that Upgrade had, a, had characters, specifically Gray, that was really fleshed out. I mean, you saw his... his you know, the relationship that he had as his wife. So, you know, it, it kind of makes sense what happened, how it would devastate him. On top of that, he had his injury and the depression that came with it. I mean, you know, we're getting into real deep territory again. There was none of that in Venom. 
And listen, I like the, the interplay between, I happen to like the interplay be, between Tom Hardy and Venom, Eddie Brock and Venom. Okay. Um, because Venom in the comics, he's a goofball, you know? He's, the, the character in of itself is silly, okay? So I, I get I get all of that, but still, I think Logan, Logan Marshall Green, yes, um, he did a better job in relating what his character was Tom Hardy was there. He was having a great time, but he didn't really flesh out the character, to be honest. You know, it, it was basically, here I am. I'm the loser. Here's um, the symbiote. He's a loser. Let's get together. Let's save the world. That's the end of the story. So for me, I think Upgrade is, is that much better. All right. So you want to close this out with final quick thoughts? So, um... Usually Venom would be sinister. It's like what Hafa said. Usually Venom is sinister, but in this movie, he was sort of a... I, I, no offense, but he was sort of a joke. Oh, he was a loser, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that didn't kind of live up to its... Expectation? To, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. I mean, um, so... I I guess all of us here will agree that Upgrade is a better movie than Venom. Not all of us. Meta doesn't well, agree. except for Meta. Meta doesn't agree, but I understand why, and I'm okay with that. I think most of us... Watch will, Venom for we'll Venom. We'll summarize it this way, and this is, I think, the best way to summarize it. Maybe we were a little too strong in saying that Upgrade is a, is a perfect Venom movie, but it had the basis. If you change the plot a little bit, it had the basis of the right... Themes and tone for a Venom movie. At least that's how yeah. the majority of us felt. Well, thanks again for another week for joining us on All Things Geeky here at Pop Culture Over Pizza. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at PCOP Podcast. You can find us on the following platforms Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and Drumroll. We are finally on iTunes, people. Look us up there. We know most of you are listening on iTunes anyway. Check us out at PCOP Podcast on Twitter, Pop Culture Over Pizza. I'm Jose. Hapa. Metatron. Walt. Elias. And I would like to say peace out to all of y'all in the internet. Enjoy another week of geeking out.